You might have watched uh, the documentary on this, or indeed the miniseries, called The Staircase, starring Tony Collette and Colin Firth. Um, you might have listened to the podcast about it. It is the story of Kathleen and Michael Peterson. He was a writer. She was a telecom executive. In December 2001, in the early hours of the morning, Kathleen's body was found in a pool of blood at the bottom of the stairs in their mansion in North Carolina. Michael was tried for her murder and it considered two possibilities. Either she accidentally tripped and fell or she was killed by her husband. Well, Michael was found guilty and served almost eight years in prison only for his life sentence to be overturned. Because there is, however, also a competing third theory and that is that an owl did it. Yes, an owl. Universally panned, it was an idea first put forward by Larry Pollard, a lawyer and neighbour of the Petersons. In recent years, though, this has gained traction and it was included in the HBO drama in a pretty believable light. University of Indonesia philosophy professor, Dunedin-born Dr Tiddy Smith, recently published a book, Death by Talons is the title, and it argues for the theory's credibility. He's my guest, and so... The idea that an owl did it, really? It seems pretty far-fetched. Yeah, of course. I mean, if, if you came up to anybody about any murder case and you said, well, I think the owl did it, um, yeah, they're not going to take you very seriously, and, and for good reason. I mean, owls don't go around killing people. We don't have homicidal owls uh, stalking our neighbourhoods, at least so far as we know. Um, or, or do we? I mean, that's the question, because uh, I suppose tell us a little bit about how you got back into this. Uh, first discovered it in 2010 or thereabouts. Um, but you revisited this whole story in more recent years. And what was it about it that really piqued your interest? Um, well, my wife hadn't seen it. <laughs> so this was just a uh, few years ago and and um you know this was during the covid lockdowns and i said oh well you know um if you want something really interesting to watch you should watch this um documentary called the staircase uh, it's really neat uh it's kind of puzzling um and gripping gripping and uh yeah worth a watch and so my wife watched it and just near the end i said well you know the really interesting theory about this case is that an owl was responsible for kathleen's death and of course, she looked at me like anybody looks at anyone when they hear this theory, like, you know, cocked eyebrow and sort of, you know, maybe a bit of confusion. Am I joking or am I being serious? But no, this was the theory put forward by uh, a neighbor of the Petersons, Larry Pollard. And uh, yeah, his theory goes that Kathleen was, you know, attacked by an owl outside in the middle of the night, uh, ran back inside the house with these terrible lacerations on her head and fell over in the stairwell um, where she was eventually found. So anyway, um, what piqued my interest about it? Well, yeah, just re-explaining that theory to my wife, who wasn't really all that convinced, and me in the first few weeks of trying to convince her um, that an owl might have been responsible, I gradually began to convince myself more and more that there was a lot of evidence that hadn't actually been considered. What was it that you found so compelling about this evidence? Let me just outline what Larry Pollard's evidence was to begin with. Um, so Larry, uh, Larry first had an inkling that a bird might have been involved in Kathleen's death when he saw the autopsy 
photos. And the two things that he saw were the injuries to the back of Kathleen's head and injuries on her elbows. Now, the injuries to Kathleen's head, I mean, it's very difficult to explain. You kind of need to see a photograph yourself to understand how unusual they are. But these are two large trident-shaped marks, lacerations that went right down to the skull. And I mean, they you can't really explain it any better than saying it looks as if somebody took a couple of bird feet, stamped them in blood, and then put them on top of somebody's head. I mean, these just look like sort of a, a print that's been made of um, talon marks on somebody's head. So, you know, the first thing that jumped out at Larry as an avid hunter, you know, somebody who has uh, followed many bird tracks, turkey tracks, you know, in the past was he looked at these and he thought, oh my God, these look like turkey tracks. Of course, he didn't think a turkey could have killed Kathleen, but he thought, you know, how funny that these turkey tracks are on her head. And then on her elbows, on Kathleen's elbows, she had these um, sort of puncture marks, kind of pressure marks, three on each elbow, equilateral triangles, sort of points, Hmm. uh, that looked like something had grabbed each of her elbows. Um, Anyway, Larry didn't think much more of it because he knew that a turkey couldn't have killed Kathleen. He thought that's silly. But then eventually he remembered that, um, you know, this had happened at about 20 to 3 in the morning. Um, So the only candidate creature that could be responsible would be an owl. And, of course, he'd lived on the street for many years. He knew that there were many owls around the property. And he'd seen his friends and family be swooped at before. So those were the injuries that alerted Larry. And in the aftermath he, um, of the trial, um, he uh, tried to find further evidence of a bird's involvement. So he wrote to the district attorney and asked whether any feathers had been found in the course of the mm. investigation. He was uh, sent back a letter from the DA that simply said, Hi, Larry, thanks for your interest in this case. Uh, no feathers were found during the investigation. We're pretty sure the jury made the right decision. Yours truly the DA. Mm. Larry, who used to work in the um, special prosecutor's division in um, Durham, Mm. wasn't so sure that he believed this. So he actually went behind the uh, district attorney's back, back to his old place of work and asked sort of on the sly if he could see the um, trace evidence report. Uh, One of his old friends sorted that out for Mm. him. And on the first page, the very first page of the trace evidence report, just a few lines down, there was reference made to a microscope slide of one of Kathleen's hairs uh, on which was found a feather. So The smoking feather. The smoking feather, as Larry liked to call it. That's right. Uh, Larry had the slide brought to um, the district attorney's office where a microscope was set up and uh, everyone could have a go looking down the lens. And they discovered it wasn't simply one feather. There were two feathers on the single hair. Um, So that was the evidence that, you know, really cemented Larry's view that this was a bird of prey. Um, I, in the course of investigating this, found further evidence that... um, worried me because it indicated that there was a probable cover-up of the uh, owl hypothesis going on by the police in Durham. Before we get to that, or perhaps as part of getting to that, I mean, you became really quite obsessed with this. I mean, you've written a book about it. Yeah, well, I mean, you know, if true, 
this is a case in which a man was imprisoned for the murder of his wife when in fact the culprit was a bird. I mean, I don't know, is that even a question? Why, why did it uh, become so? Lawyer, he thought it would make a great defence for Michael. Um, I'm not so sure. I don't really care. It's got nothing to do. This book isn't about Michael. Um, it's not really about whether he's innocent or guilty. It's just about the evidence for a bird of prey. Um, now, I, obviously, I don't believe that Michael trained a hawk and set it on her. But uh, I think that there's uh, a lot more going on in this case than we're currently aware. My book, I think, indicates quite strongly. And in fact, we, we know that certain evidence in this case was covered up uh, by the police in particular. Um, why there was such a serious attempt, an expensive attempt, um, to cover up the evidence in this case, I'm not sure we'll ever know. Why do you think it is that that appears to be the case? Because, I, I don't know, it, beha- it perhaps begins to go down the line of, well, you know, were people trying to frame somebody here? Or, you know, what is it that the police would have to gain, essentially, by, by engaging in a cover-up? I mean, the, the, the traditional theory goes that Michael was framed because he had been, you know, very vocal politically. He'd been writing his newspaper column that was very critical and mocking of the police. And I just, I don't really buy any of that. I don't think that you send someone down because they made fun of you in a newspaper column. Um, you know, and I, I'm, I, I'm not entirely sure. You know, I admit to that. I don't know what motives there could have been at play here. I don't know what, I mean, you know, I think what the book shows is that, you know, for some reason there was some cover-up here. Um, The very fact that there was a cover-up makes it very difficult to know what the motives of the people involved were because they're all going to be hiding things, right? So you're never, I don't think, ever going to have a very good grasp on what was going on. Um, But, you know, there are a lot of secrets and lies in this case. Indeed. Did it strike you as shoddy? The investigation or was it that things were overlooked no no absolutely and in fact you know the police officer who i did manage to uh this was the police photographer who was on the scene that morning um was candid about this when i interviewed her she said well there's no way that these particular examples are examples of shoddiness this was deliberate so she talks for example about the failure of the police that day to collect any of the items that were found surrounding Kathleen's body in the stairwell. So there were about 15 items surrounding Kathleen's body in the stairwell. And we're talking about large things, things like, um, you know, a, a telephone, a cordless telephone, you know, or a pair of glasses or, a, you know, paper towels, that sort of thing, right? None of them were collected. Now, these were in the stairwell, covered in blood, you know, hmm. there's no, you can't really explain that as shoddiness. It's not like the police looked at the scene and went, well, none of that's going to be relevant. You know, obvi- it was obviously relevant. If you or I had walked in, we would know it was going to be relevant, right? Hmm. Um, and even, as I said, yeah, the police officer who I investigated said, well, obviously they knew it was relevant and they deliberately uh, did not collect this evidence. But she doesn't give a reason as to why. So what would you like to see now as a result of, publishing the book uh well i don't as i said i don't really care about michael's innocence or guilt i don't really care about um you know what matters to me more than uh you know michael's innocence or guilt is is larry's reputation frankly 
um, he put forward a theory that uh, made him the laughing stock of Durham. Um, you only, you know, if you look through the media reports from, and these are, you know, newspaper columnists, you know, just absolutely relentlessly mocking him for years and years when he had probably the only decent theory of what could have happened that night going on. So if, if anything, I would like to see Larry's reputation restored. And, you know, if I could just get to the, the very bottom of it, I figure out or hear why such a cover-up occurred, why the police behaved the way they did. Um, obviously, that would mean a lot to me personally. But, uh, mm. yeah, this, this book is really just about showing that uh, what uh, most people believe is going on in this case is very, very far from the truth. And if I could come close to achieving something like that, I'd be very happy. Now, you grew up in Dunedin uh, in the 1990s, which, of course, uh, when it comes to true crime, is somewhat synonymous with the Bain family murders. Um, does that perhaps give you a real world, a, a sort of a life experience of, of seeing how big investigations like that play out, that you've, that you've brought a perspective to this? Well, you know, that, that would have been one of the first um, true crime books, if not one of the first sort of non-fiction books that I read, you know, as a youth, um, would have been um, David and Goliath, you know, when that came out um, about the Bane case. Uh, back in the day, uh, did it give me some perspective on how these things, I, I, well, um, I'm not so sure. I mean, I, you know, I've had this case brought up before with reference to the staircase. I, I actually think a better example might be something like the Lundy case. Um, where mm. the evidence that was brought forward to uh, indict this individual just really doesn't stand up the way it's touted as standing up. Um, you know, and, and there are certain things about, say, Lundy's involvement that simply, it seems, can't work. You know, for example, um, the travel time um, between, say, you know, the hotel and home. Um, so, you know... It's one of those examples, I think, where you have a story, a police story, that simply cannot work, um, uh, no matter how you squeeze it. And what the truth may be about, you know, a case like that might be very, very far from even common sense. So what are you reckon about Mark Lundy then? Oh, look, I haven't looked deeply enough at that case to have a a, a really strong opinion. I guess I'm just thinking about the, um, the way in which the police case... Uh, paints a particular picture that ca- cannot work. Mm. So we know that the drive time just simply is impossible. You have the Mark Lundy 500, right, where nobody seems to be able to actually achieve what Mark Lundy is supposed to have achieved. Mm. Um, now, it's it's a similar case with regard to Michael Peterson. You, The blood splatter in the stairwell, for example, cannot be replicated by beating somebody over the head with a blunt object. In fact, the wounds on her head cannot be replicated by beating somebody over the head with a blunt object. So, uh, and again, the, the, this counts, or, or the same, the truth, the same truth holds with regards to a fall scenario as well. Mm. You, you simply cannot explain the evidence on either scenario. And the only way you can explain the evidence in this case is with this bizarre hypothesis about a bird of prey. So philosophically, then, are you a believer in Occam's razor? 
Uh, well, Occam's razor is a methodological principle, so it's not it's not so much uh, uh, whether you're a believer or not. I think we should all adopt Occam's razor as a sort of principle that we that we go by. Occam's razor doesn't say that the simplest solution is always the right one. A lot of people think that's what it is. It simply says, you know, if you're um, you know presented with a body of evidence and you have to come up with some sort of conjecture, some sort of explanation, uh, you know, present the theory that accounts for all of the evidence in the most uh, simple way and in this case following Occam's razor an owl is what you get that is Dr. Tiddy Smith his book is Death by Talons did an owl in inverted commas murder Kathleen Peterson published by Wild Blue Press